now here's your host, Gabriel Rutledge. Hello. Okay. I think I'm going. All right. My software's being weird, but here we are. Uh, hello. Hi. It's me, international comedian, Gabriel Rutledge. Or as I'm known here, Gabriel Rutledge. I should have gone with Gabe when I signed up at Open Mic 20 years ago. And then they could have called me Gob Rutledge. And everything would have been different. Uh, I, I'm, uh, I'm in Dubai. Uh, at a hotel. What's the, what's the best way I can describe Dubai? Yeah, Dubai is like... Someone made a city in Sim City. Like, there was a video game called SimCity Dubai, and some 17-year-old kid made it. Uh, it's just... You know, nothing but high-rise uh, hotels and apartments and condos and uh, just insane, you know, hey, indoor snow skiing? Indoor full-size golf course? You know, aquarium inside the mall, uh, all that stuff. And then, like, in front of every business, I don't know, three to five Lamborghinis, a couple of Ferraris. Uh, it's just, it doesn't seem real. And also, the architecture... It's just, it's not that different. It looks, okay, like if you were watching a movie and they were trying to show like, I don't know, Earth 2040, and the buildings just have a slightly different look. It, Dubai, you look at the skyline of Dubai and it looks like there should be flying cars. It really does. Um, so what, you know, not that I have a grasp of the place. I've only been here, uh, you know, four or five days of my life, but it's very, I mean, it's a very... <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it. It's not real. It's not a real place. I mean, there's it's real people. Real things are happening. But it's just... It's, uh, it's like it's all based on a lie no one could admit is happening. Uh, for example, all these... I'm looking at a high-rise... Uh, uh, some apartments across from my hotel right now. At nighttime, you look at all of these uh, luxury apartments, and you realize they're about, I don't know, 30, 40% occupied. The whole city, this is not just my own uh, homework, this is what people who live here have told me. Uh, one person told me it's about 20% occupancy in all these luxury, high-rise uh, condos, apartments, whatever you want to call them. And yet... Uh, they're building more all the time. Constant construction, uh, even though they don't have enough people to fill the ones they already currently have built. And uh, the reason for that is because... Um, <laughs> I think money laundering. I think that's what it is. I think <laughs> Dubai is like an entire economy built on illegal, shady shit that no one will really tell you what's happening. Um so yeah, a very, very strange place. Um, like we can't even find where people live here. Like, you know, the, you know, there's people working in hotels. There's people, uh, 
delivering food on scooters. There's people uh, driving taxis. Where they live, I don't know, but I've I've driven uh, quite a bit uh, around the city. I've been driven around the city, and we have not seen like. You know, I'm assuming uh, the cab drivers do not live on the 38th floor of some luxury condo, you know. Uh, so they, it's like they just keep the poor part of the city hidden. Uh, some of the fun things about Dubai, much like uh, when the mob ran Vegas, there's some good things. There's some good things about living in a shitty as shit place. Uh, no crime. I mean, walk around at 4 a.m. with uh, money hanging out of your pockets. No one will, no one will take it. N- nothing's going to happen. You'll be fine. Uh, because the punishment for crimes is so severe. Uh, drugs are not legal. There is no category of drugs, just drugs. Uh, so if you were caught with uh, marijuana, I think it'd probably be a four-year prison sentence. Um, so uh, maybe not the gig for some of my stoner friends. Uh, in fact, the, I was talking to someone who'd been here for 30 years, and she's like, I probably have 50 friends over the 30 years who have all gone to jail for whatever, cocaine or you know, it's just straight to jail. Uh, not even like for selling, just having. Uh, sometimes there's no dancing. You have to be properly, you have to have the right permits for dancing. We were at a club the other night. Uh, I was with someone. They were just kind of dancing like you do on the way to your table. And uh, the bouncer came over and like, no, 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 no. The literal fun police came over the bouncer and like nope no dancing no dancing here they had a dj they had a dance floor they had music blasting no dancing i watched this bouncer all night just walk up to people and tell them to stop dancing I, if the dj would have put on footloose that fucking place would have exploded um but apparently there are some places that are properly licensed for dancing and you're allowed to do that um so it's really, it's really strange. It's hardcore against drugs. Uh, have to have a permit for dancing. Even then, I don't think there's like grinding. And you know that's how I dance. Dancing is grinding, okay? That's how I was raised. From <laughs> a proud, grinding, dry-humping family. Uh, so in some ways, it's like, as you would think, a... Uh, some of the Muslim influences. But then in other ways, uh, just full-on prostitution everywhere, which I don't think is technically legal, but no one stops it. Um, so that part's kind of weird. Some things were really cheap here. Like, you know, I took a 30-minute cab ride, and it was about $6 American. Uh, but then... Uh, you know, everyone kept buying me alcohol, and so I felt bad, and I, I'm like, I'll get this round, and I bought two beers and a shot of tequila, 72 American dollars. Uh, I will no longer be buying rounds. And I'm like, why are the cabs so cheap? And they're like, well, that's because, you know, it's closer to the oil, so there's not fuel costs. And I'm like, well, that doesn't, 
I mean, is Anheuser-Busch cheaper in St. Louis, Missouri? I don't think it is. But anyway, um, it's also the kind of place where, every, like I said, the, it's, it's well, I, I can't remember the number. Someone told me, I think it's 8%, 6%. That's, that's the amount of people who are actually native to Dubai that live here. It's less than 10%. Um, so the whole thing is like foreign money that comes here. Uh, we've been, I'm with an Irish comedian this week, uh, Danny O'Brien. And uh, he, uh, so I don't know, every Irish person <laughs> seems to be here to see him uh, perform. And uh, there's just all these, uh, there's all these teachers from Ireland who come here to teach because it pays way more than it does in Ireland, you know. Um, it's uh, nothing but international accents everywhere we go. Uh, but it's the kind of place, the teachers will tell you what they do for a living. But, it, it, you know, everyone has just crazy money that we're running into. And it's also, I realized I have to stop asking people what they do for a living. Because I don't think that's a thing you're supposed to ask here. Like, what do you do for a living? And it's always like, ah, import, export. Why don't you mind your fucking business? You want another, you want another drink? Yeah, 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 I do. Uh... I had some, you know, I've had some conversations with uh, people who used to live in America, who live here now, and they talk about, I don't know, it's just so openly, <laughs> so openly corrupt. It's so, uh, that part of it is so weird to me, where they're just like, oh, you know, Obama cracked down back in the day, so there was no, they call it black money, if it's like dirty money. There was no like black Russian money, but they're coming back in now, so that's good. I'm like, is it? So yeah, it's very bizarre. It's like a, uh, like you know, it's like a giant movie set, or like I said, a, a video game. And um, that being said, really fun, really cool shit to look at. Um, comedy shows have been we've done two out of five, uh, and they've been uh, they've been fine. You know, I think each show I kind of felt like yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that joke, but um, you know. Uh, compared to my other international comedy where I was in Pakistan, um, I had to do a lot more editing in Pakistan than I do here. Uh, I'll say that. Um, I, don't, I was thinking about this because I've just been around so many Irish and English people this week. Uh, there was a woman we met after a show and she was telling a story. Wait, I think she was in. Yeah, I think she was English. Yeah, and uh, she was telling a story about um, a bad tender date, and it was a hilarious story. And I will just tell you the end of the story. Uh, excuse my terrible accent, but the end of the story was. So I go in the kitchen, and he's having a wank. Meaning uh, she had a tender day to masturbate in her kitchen. It was a hilarious story. And I, as an American, am listening to this story. And the story was a lot funnier to me because of her accent. You know, he was having a wank. It's funnier to my American ears than um, I caught a bro jerking off in my kitchen.
Is that work for the American accent in other places? If I, if I go to England, do people say that American person, that American comedian is so funny because of the way he says things? I mean, I mean it must be true, but I just can't imagine it. Uh, I just can't. Same with the Irish uh, accent I've been hearing so much of. Uh, it, is kind of, <laughs> it is kind of funny because I am such a... Uh, a dude. I, I was around all these Irish dudes. And again, even if people don't have money here, I think they're pretending they do. But it's just like, you know, people are buying me $30 drinks, as many as I want. I'm just like, this, you're crazy. Of course, they're driving a, a, a Lamborghini. So what, what, you know, I don't think my stupid whiskey on the rocks is going to put them back. But it's, anyway, it's, uh, I talked to like three or four Irish dudes and I like the accent, you know, like they, instead of thing, it's ting and I wouldn't be 47, I'd be 47 and it's, uh, you know, I was really enjoying the accent. Danny always said, you know, there's me and another comedian. He's like, all right, lads. I'm like, lads, we're lads. I want to be a lad. Fuck bros. I want to be lads. And then uh, there was an Irish woman who joined the three Irish fellas I was talking to. And uh, all of a sudden I had a thought that I did not have when I was talking to the Irish fellas, which was, that's a pretty fucking sexy accent. <laughs> I didn't think that when I was talking uh, to the lads. But when a lass showed up, yeah. You put a feminine touch on that accent, and I'm like, yeah, that's that works. And I think when it's, I guess you can't see it in your own accent. But, you know, even when I was a kid, I remember someone would come in from, there'd be a foreign exchange student from Australia or something, and everyone thought they were sexy because of the accent. Does that work the other way? I've heard it does in Japan. I heard American fellas can do pretty good in Japan. I know a real couple of dorks who went over there and really uh, tore it up. Uh, so maybe it does. I just, you know, you don't see what's cute about your own language, I guess. I also, I also enjoy, uh, like, I'll hear Danny tell a story about an American, and then, you know, when he drops, when he does his American accent, that makes me laugh, too. It's just sort of like, okay, here's my, <laughs> here's my impression of an Irish guy pretending to be American. So yeah, I was telling this guy, and I was like, yeah, cool, dude. It's kind of like that. But yeah, uh, very interesting place, Dubai. Uh, very, uh, I think if you are indigenous to Dubai... Well, Dubai's a city. I don't know what you have to be indigenous to, the, but the area. Uh, I think you get money. I don't know how much, but uh, um, I think it's kind of how uh, Native Americans get money in America, meaning uh, <laughs> does it still does not mean they're doing well as a culture. 
it just means uh, they get money. You know, I you know I've been to uh, well, you know, I'm a traveler. I've been to Ocean Shores, Washington, and Dubai, United Arab Emirates, <clears throat> and uh, in I went to Hawaii this year too. And you know, there's labor shortages everywhere in the state. They don't, they do not have that problem in Dubai. There is not a labor shortage. <laughs> there is not any shortages. Um, uh, I've met a lot of guys who I got, you know, like Eng English or Irish guys who have a girlfriend or wife who is like, who knows, Moroccan or uh, Romanian uh, or uh, Turkish. And a few of them, like, oh, that's the other fun thing if you're American or European or whatever, if you speak English, here's the thing. <laughs> I'm too dumb to think of places that speak English. But if you speak English, the, the language of Dubai is English. It's many. It's not the first language of many of the people here, but it's just the accepted language is English because it's uh, basically a, a town of visitors or at least, you know, not that many people live here that long even. They'll be here for four years and go home or um so but you know, that's kind of that's that does make it an easier trip where everywhere you go they speak English, even if it's not uh impeccable English. Uh it's you know, that does make it nicer. Uh but I was thinking, you know, whatever. I was talking to some Welsh guy and uh he had a Turkish wife or whatever, and uh, she spoke limited English. And I, could you do that? Could you? Don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about having sex with someone. I guess I'm not even talking about starting a relationship with someone. But could you marry someone that did not really share a grasp of a language with you? I mean, wouldn't that be odd? Wouldn't that be weird to wake up in the morning and be like, oh, oh I slept uh, terrible last night. And they're like, terrible? Uh, it means um, not, not good. Not good. You, okay. Like, that's your relationship? I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm no prude. I understand the animal attraction of, I mean, it's even kind of a hot story if you're just hooking up. I had a, I, I mean, I, uh, I had a, I'm not going to call her my girlfriend. I had someone I wanted to be my girlfriend once, but she wasn't, um, she told me she wasn't dating anyone at the time, uh, which was true, but she was fucking a lot of people, but I didn't do as well getting on that list. I didn't know that was an option. I was like, I would like to date you because then we can have sex. I didn't know there was a loophole where I could have been like, we should fuck and then not date. I didn't, 
I didn't know that was on the table. I'd been in a church youth group a couple years earlier, so I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for this leap into adulthood. But she she told me a story about, uh, I don't remember where she even was. I think it was Italy. And she had some, like, two-day rendezvous with a guy who spoke zero English, and she spoke zero Italian. And I'm like, okay, pretty hot story. That's fun. But to marry the dude would have been weird. Uh, you know, so I didn't want to, uh, I didn't want to judge someone's love. Do you know what I mean? I didn't want to look at them and be like, well, this is not a relationship of substance because there's an obvious language barrier. Uh, but I mean, really what, there's a real description of marriage. It's. You know, marriage is what you do when you're not fucking. That's what marriage is. You know, what, you gonna watch TV shows and explain the plot to her? Or have her watch Turkish shows and explain the plot to you? Seems weird to me. Also, her English will probably get better. You know, that's how languages work. But I just, uh, if I would have asked the guy, which would have been a rude question, like, hey, how do you make it work <laughs> with this person who barely speaks your language? He probably would have made a joke about how that makes it easier, but I don't know. I, uh, we only speak English in my house, and that's what it says on the plaque above the front door. In this home, English is spoken. No. But I'm just saying, there's, you know, we have enough trouble communicating at times in my family with each other, and uh, <laughs> there is no language issue. Uh, but I guess when you're, uh, you know, when you're playing Dubai Sim City, you put a bunch of weird people together. Who gives a shit? Just don't let them dance. Footloose. No, 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 no. No dancing. It's like John Lithgow runs this place. I think that was the dad in Footloose. I wonder if they allow Footloose to be shown here. Uh, my friend told me uh, most of the porn is blocked here. And I'll have to take his word for it. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of the porn is blocked, you know. I might have had to use my imagination. So if you came up in it, I'm sorry. But it was desperate times. Um, I did some way out of character stuff today for me, which was fun. Uh, we went to uh, about a 30, 40 minute drive out to the desert. To some dunes. Uh, so we were in this four-wheel drive truck. He drove us around like a crazy person while we bounced around this truck. And I am not um, a risk-taking person or a adrenaline junkie or uh, I don't even really like a roller coaster. I just don't. 
And so to be bouncing around a desert uh, was so far out of my character. We got, uh, we we did uh, some of the stuff I'll post on social media at some point. We uh, we basically sled down a sand hill and then crashed at the bottom. Banged my head. Didn't really hurt, but all I'm thinking the whole time we're doing all these things is I'm going to hurt myself. I'm going to have to spend my remaining days in Dubai, like with a fucked up back or something, or. Uh, so yeah, we did the four wheel drive drive around. Uh, we did the uh, we did the sand sledding, and then uh, we did some quad racing. We got to drive the quads around, uh, which was fun. It's funny because I got video. Uh, someone took video of me on the quad, and I watched. I watched like. I'm with a comic named Rob Ryan. These are my lads. Rob Ryan. I watched him on a quad. Uh, I watched uh, Danny on a quad. And then I saw the video of me on a quad. And I'm like, I'm going slow. <laughs> They're zipping around like, wow. And I'm like, safety first. I'm like, well, I'm much older than you gentlemen. <laughs> Uh, I'll tell you the scariest part of the day. Riding the quad was fun, but um, we uh, there was three of us. And we only got two quads. That's another. That's another. That's a. You're you're always like even you know we pull into a thing. They start putting head wraps on us, and we're like, wait, do we need these? They're selling everywhere you go. They're trying to sell us stuff. So I think what their deal is is they go. We booked three of you, but only two quads, and then we're supposed to go like, well, we'll just pay for the third quad. Uh, you know, so it, it's kind of exhausting being in a constant, constantly solicited to buy something. But, uh, so then I rode around the back of the quad for a while while Danny drove and it wasn't really a good way to hold on. And the whole time I'm just like, I'm going to fly off of this thing and, uh, break something. This is why I don't take risks, uh, in fact, my arms are going to be sore tomorrow uh, from gripping the metal sides of the quad. Uh, <laughs> Rob actually turned his quad over and dumped himself out. Uh, I got that in video. That was pretty entertaining. Uh, but just, uh, you know. I mean, when Christy hears that I went four-wheel driving, sledding, and rode a quad around, she's going to be like, who are you? These are not things uh, I, I can't. These are not things I normally even ever do, but um, it was fun. It was really fun. The first few nights here, well, I didn't do anything, but when we started having shows, it, the amount of alcohol people tried to, I was like turning it down, but it was still like the first two nights, like I went way too hard. Uh, so I haven't had anything to drink in uh, three or four days, and I've been having a much better time because they, I just can't. <laughs> Sleeping is hard, too, because I'm 11 hours ahead of where I normally am, and I thought I would get used to it, and I kind of have, but it's like I've done a bunch of stuff like, I'll, oh, I'm sleepy. I'll go to bed. I went to bed at 10 p.m., woke up at 4 a.m., you know, a bunch of stuff like that. Uh, so uh, alcohol doesn't really help that either, but um, it is delicious. <laughs> but it also goes because it, I'm not really making that much money on this trip. It is kind of like 
it does put a damper on things. They're like, hey, well, uh, we're going to go out tonight. We're out, tonight we're going out to watch Cuban jazz. I don't even know what that is, but if it's anything like the sandwich, I'm going to love it. Uh, but they're like, yeah, well, well, you can walk around this mall, this area. It's a really cool area. You can walk around, get some drinks. I'm like, I'm not getting drinks. <laughs> because what you're saying is, hey, walk around this area. Spend $40 for two Budweiser's. I'm like, I can't do it. Uh, so I have to wait for rich people to buy me booze, I think. And it's also, I thought this too when I was in Pakistan last time. Actually, our, our driver today, I can't remember his name, but he we asked where he was from, the four-wheel driver guy, and he was like, he said he was from Pakistan, uh, but he'd been here for about 10 years. And uh, Rob and I went to Pakistan with Rob, Ryan, last time. We have never worked together in America. He lives in New York. I live in, uh, I was, I live in Olympia, Washington. We have never worked together in America, but we have worked in Pakistan and now Dubai together. And so we told our driver we worked in Pakistan. And this, this happens everywhere I go that I meet Pakistani people. They just look at you like, no, you, what? No, you didn't. Because no one goes to Pakistan who's not from Pakistan. They have zero tourism. Uh, so he just looked at us like, what? He was, uh, he was shocked that we had been to Pakistan. And then uh, the one word of Urdu that I remember like when we left, I was like, shukriya, which means thank you. And he was like, his eyes lit up like, you know shukriya? I'm like, that's all I know. So please don't start talking in Urdu. But... Uh, Yeah, so I learned this in Pakistan also, but, you know, just to my na naive slash ignorant American eyes, you're just not used to seeing lapsed Muslims. <laughs> because I don't know that many Muslims. I don't, you know, in the way that there's cultural, culturally Jewish people, there are cultural Muslims who don't, they're not really that hardcore about their religion anymore. They're just culturally Muslim. Just like my son goes to a Catholic college and I think is an atheist, you know. So just the first night we were there, uh, there was a, you know, uh, Danny was on stage. He started talking to this guy who was drinking. And he, he's, I don't remember, the, he's wearing the traditional white Muslim garb, head wrap thing. He's he's also drinking wine and making jokes about having sex with the comedian on stage. And like that's not that's not the part of Middle East culture we get to see very often in the West. Uh you know, we just see the scary training videos or uh that kind of stuff. You wouldn't, you know, I didn't I did learn this in Pakistan, but I'm relearning it again. It's just like, that's obviously there are some very, very serious religious people here. But there are a lot of people who are just, it's just a wardrobe, you know? Or not just wardrobe, but it's, you know? And even that person who was uh, drinking and making sex jokes, he, I think he probably had an arranged marriage. 
from the way that he was answering the relationship questions Danny was asking him. Like, how long have you known her? Weird pause. A year? How long have you been married? A year. (laughs) Yeah, I guess there wouldn't be a long courtship in an arranged marriage. But anyway, I'm just showing how stupid I am by bringing this up. But it is, I don't know. That part of it is cool to see to me. That part of it is like, to actually get to see... uh, a culture instead of watch them or hear about them. Um, There's a lot more diversity of thought in the Middle East than you would think. Just like perhaps someone in the Middle East thinks everyone in America is some sort of Yosemite Sam person rooting, tooting, shooting up schools and wearing a cowboy hat. You know, because that's what tends to... uh, filter into media. And uh, I've, been, I've been talking to Danny, the other comedian, and because he does, you know, he's been to Indonesia, he's been to, you know, he's like, oh, it was probably drunken talk, but he's like, I could get you into Ireland. I would not mind being more international. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. It's pretty, I mean, maybe you guys don't tune into this podcast to hear me say my job is pretty cool, but fuck. Just some of the stuff I've gotten to do because I learned how to tell jokes is unbelievable. Uh, just, I mean, you know, I, I, I went on that adventure this morning. By the way, only like 40 bucks a person um, or two Budweiser's. And then, you know, I'm sitting in this like infinity pool at my hotel. And I'm just like, how did this happen? Not that I live here, not that I've somehow made so much money I can be a part of Dubai Sim City. But like you get to be a <laughs> imposter. Comedy lets you be an imposter. We get to I get to go places I have no right to be. I don't I get to go places I haven't earned. And I don't mean earned like the people who go here are better people than me or in their soul or anything, but like I wouldn't. I went to Hawaii because my mother-in-law paid. We go to vacation in Seaside, Oregon because she has a timeshare there. Christy and I went to a terrible hotel in Ocean Shores, Washington. That's the level of life I can afford to have, and don't get me wrong, I'm blessed to have it. But like, I shouldn't be going to luxury hotels in Dubai, and they're paying me? What a uh, what a hard but wonderful life I've made for myself. Uh, in fact, hold on. This is I've also had a lot of time uh, here on the plane and stuff to like really get a lot of work done on my book, which uh, is ready for some professional editing. Um, which means, you know, I don't have a timeline on when it's going to come out, but I just because I was. I was looking at it, and I wrote something in the book, just like two lines in the book that I was looking at, and I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. This week is what I was talking about when I wrote those two lines, even though I didn't know I was ever going to go to Dubai. Um, so uh, I'll read you the two lines I'm talking about. Just about uh, how, what a weird... Uh, journey being a comedian is, and even I—I I, I didn't know what that meant. 
when I signed up to do the journey, but <clears throat> this is kind of what I'm talking about. Okay, I will be reading an excerpt from the unreleased book called, oh, shit, Gabe wrote another book. Being a professional comedian is like being a crow at a zoo. Sure, the beautiful tigers get fresh steaks thrown into their threat-free, temperature-controlled habitat every day, while the crows are hopping around outside hoping a kid drops a french fry so they can fight off the other birds for it. But the crows can leave. Comedians get to see life. Most of us don't get health, dental, vision, sick days, vacation days, retirement, stability, an active savings account, or anything more than a fleeting satisfaction. But we get to see life. Most days I'll take that deal. The other days I regret not going to Tiger College. That's what I mean. Uh, you know, I am, uh, I was not drafted to be a comedian. Uh, I volunteered. <laughs> and, uh, sometimes it's a really fucking hard job. Even now I miss my family, but like, man. I've gotten to do some shit that uh, I almost feel like I had no right to do. <laughs> and so that is not, not the worst thing in the world. And even on a local level, even though, look, I'm not going to go to Dubai or Pakistan all the time or Ireland or whatever, but even, I don't know, even when I haven't traveled that far, it's just a really interesting way to go through a life. Um, and uh, I am... Uh, Grateful for that. Not every day, but right now. Especially now, I guess, coming out of a pandemic that's still not, even though if it's not better, we're still coming out of it. I'm not sure how pandemics work. Um, if I uh, test positive for COVID-19 in Dubai, I will change my mind and I will say, I never should have come here. What a terrible experience, but so far so good. Actually, their numbers are a lot better here. Uh, I was talking to someone uh, associated with the tour we're doing here. Uh, we were talking about vaccines, and <laughs> she said she's had four of them. I thought she was kidding. No, she's had four vaccines. Because early in Dubai, they got one from China that later on they were like, well, that one's not that good, so you're going to need these other ones. She's had four. She's like Pfizer, Moderna, Astro, whatever. and some. Ch she's had four vaccines. A lot of people in Dubai have had four vaccines. I was like, is that bad for you? And she's like, yeah, I kind of feel like I got fucked up a little bit from it. <laughs> oh, that made me laugh. Not that you got fucked up from it, but I just mean like four of them. Good Lord. Okay, I think we're calling that a podcast. Um, I don't know if this is up on time or not. It's really, I think it's somewhat close to the right time. I don't know. 11 hours in advance. It's, you know, I feel like it's October 15th where I am and uh, June 2017 back at home. Uh, I don't know what's going on. Uh, but I appreciate you listening. Uh, sorry <laughs> the one last week was so short. I was uh, out of my mind with travel. Um, and, um, I guess I'm going to leave you with something, um, that, uh, 
my grandmother used to say. Um, there he was having a wank in me kitchen. Show's over. We're done. Bye.